Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Damn Recruiting Podcast with your host, Marcus Greaves, Adam Nicholson. Adam, what's up, my man? How you doing? Dude, just chilling out here in the, uh, let's see, where am I right now? <laughs> Central Oregon, I guess. Central Oregon. That's that's how <laughs> yeah. my stomping grounds, man. Hey, hey, man, I was out there last night, dude. Not a lot's changed, though. <laughs> man, <laughs> nothing changes. Uh, some, some, uh, yeah. I would say some heartbreaking news for the Beavers the past couple of days. It's been a, it's been a tough one, um, especially for football recruiting wise, as some uh, mm-hmm. people committed elsewhere. Um, if you want to touch on that real quick, Adam, before we go to news and notes, we can. Um, yeah. It was Casey Filkins, you know, Andrew, Andrew, Andy Alfieri, and there was one more. Uh, oh, Sawyer Racanelli. Hey. Hey man, you forget your own boy. I know, man. How do I? How do I forget that? I actually hey. watched that video and I saw that Oregon State did not have a hat in his final two, and I was like, man, I almost. You I was know, gonna. I was gonna DM and be like, man, come on. I thought we talked about this. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's uh, it's it's one way to look at it as disappointing. I know many Beaver fans probably are. Um, there's one scenario that's. I don't want to say troubling, but definitely upsetting. But as far as like Racanelli pledging to the the Huskies um, earlier today, that's that's a it's a tough pill to swallow considering the Beavs, you know, were the first to offer him by nearly a year. Yeah, the, the Oregon State had offered you know last end of last winter, early spring. Um, but really, if you if you're following trends and following re- recruiting closely, you know the kid was a baller has always been a baller and it was just a matter of time before he really blew up and that's exactly what happened you know starting in february and progressing up until you know three weeks ago a month ago when he picked up uh you know the offer from uw um when the uw offer kind of came in it was kind of the perception of okay it's going to be a matter of time before he pledges to the huskies Mm -hmm. and you know really kind of what we were hearing was as he, as he, as his recruitment kind of took off, yeah, Oregon State was still being considered because of that longevity relationship that he has with the staff, and you know, holding that first offer is is special to a number of athletes, and I think they were they were under consideration. He showed up for a couple practices during spring camp, but you know, it's just it was a it was always going to be an uphill battle for yeah. Racanelli, and uh, you know, UW entering the race changed the landscape on it. Uh, kind of when that happened, it was like, okay, well, I, I know what I got up in Seattle, uh, up there on Montlake. He wanted to take an official visit. That's why I set up the visit to UCLA. And uh, in the end, earlier today, it kind of came down to those two. But, you know, I think UW going into even the, the visit to UCLA had a, you know, head and shoulders were above the rest yeah. of his offers. And it was just kind of a, you know, he put the hats down and more of the formality of it. It was a kind of a foregone conclusion that it was going to be the Huskies in the end for him. So, um, yeah, disappointing for the, the staff, definitely to put in that, all that effort, knowing that he was a, a he's going to be a legit Pac-12 talent um, at a number of positions, you know, whether it's linebacker, safety, wide out, anything like that. Heck, line him up in the uh, Wildcat like you saw him up there at Hawkinson last fall. Yeah. Um, and he's, he's going to make a difference. But, uh, you know, like I said, it was only a matter of time before his recruitment really took off. And it, it, honestly, I mentioned in the lodge earlier in one of the threads that uh, 
I fully expect him to receive a fourth star here um, at the latest by this fall. I mean, the kid's arguably one of the top talents in the state of Washington, if not the West region and the nation um, for the 2020 class. So definitely hurts there, but I think, uh, you know, the, the one that really hurts is Andy Alfieri, yeah. uh, the top player in the state of Oregon for the class of 2020. We have been talking about him in the lodge and I think a couple times on here, he was the number one prospect for the number one target for the beads, this recruiting cycle. And, there was just so many ties to the program, whether it was his parents both being Oregon State alums, his dad being a former football player, um, having two brothers already in the program, one uh, um, on the roster. Yeah, he had a, a knee injury, suffered a knee injury during spring camp, so he's a little, he's out for a while. But his other brother working inside the recruiting office, this seemed like a slam dunk and you know, there's, if you want to listen to rumors, I know Angie and I have both um, addressed some of that in the, in the lodge um, pertaining to how close Andy or Andy was to the Oregon state staff and throughout the recruiting process um, for him to essentially come out and commit to Cal over this last weekend took myself, Angie, Lucas Aguilar, other recruiting analysts, I mean, it turned it upside down, turned our world upside down. It wasn't something that we saw coming or had heard anything about. I know it wasn't well-received in the VFC either. So mm. it was a tough, tough pill to swallow and definitely um, going to kind of change how Oregon State approaches this, the, the remainder of this recruiting cycle. Yeah, they might only have one recruit on the books, and John Miller is a commit right now. But I definitely see them kind of shifting gears and allocating different scholarships towards different position groups and possibly even changing some relationships as they continue to recruit kids and not necessarily being okay with, uh, you know, I, I guess what I'm saying is some of the trust factor might be kind, kind of gone with uh, as they approach and continue on with this recruiting cycle. So uh, definitely a tough one to, to uh, swallow all around for Alfieri, um, jumping ship to Berkeley. Now, I'm not saying this is completely over in his recruitment. Yeah, he has all these close ties, um, and maybe it was uh, a business decision to jump on this offer to Cal and kind of wait to see how Oregon State progresses this fall. Um, I just don't know how aggressively Oregon State's going to continue to recruit him yeah. um, moving forward. So uh, as for Casey Silkins, you know, it was, uh, you know, this one – wasn't as much of a surprise as Alfieri. Probably falls somewhere in between Racanelli and Alfieri as far as the uh, the the tough pill to swallow or surprise of the, the moment for him to announce to Cal over the weekend. I think um, early on it was the perception that it was kind of an Oregon State-Oregon um, toss-up battle for his commitment. And uh, Cal had snuck in with an offer three weeks ago, I think now, and um, really kind of he liked the pitch that he got from Cal. He liked the opportunity to get a um, what's perceived to be an elite um, public university degree. Um, and, the you know, the education you can get down there at Berkeley is top of the line. Um, but, you know, they have a lot of questions around the their offense in general. How are they going to function? You know, are they, they definitely lit up Oregon State's defense last year, 
but they really struggled in a number of other games. So how's Bo Baldwin going to right the ship, and will the proof be in the pudding whether they are able to this uh, this next fall? So that one kind of is a head-scratcher as well. But, you know, um, Oregon State kind of has a, a few other people in line now um, to kind of, especially at the wide opposition, they have a, you know, a number of offers out, and they're trending well with some of their other targets in that regard. So if I were to rate, you know, one through three as far as who's the biggest miss or, you know, missed opportunity for the staff, Alfieri is definitely at the top of the list. I'd say Racanelli probably second and Philkins third. Um, so, I mean, it's it's not a doom and gloom situation by any means right now. The Alfieri one definitely stings. The other two are kind of, you know, trending in the wrong direction for the Bees. So yeah. that's kind of my two cents on those three athletes and kind of where they went. Of course, you know, we at Beaver Blitz, you know, we talked to all three of them extensively, wish them the best of luck, and I know the staff probably feels the same way. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I mean, it happens, man, and that's why people were tweeting NBA saying it must have hurt that we lost them, which is true. Um, I shouldn't say we. That's unprofessional. But <laughs> – Well, um, you know, you get, they get the gist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but the fact that, you know, Oregon State didn't get those guys, that, that's a big blow to um, them. But like we said, at the end of the day, it's, it's what the kids want if they feel – you know, more comfortable somewhere else. And, you know, it's hats off to them, and we wish them the best of luck. Um, but, Adam, it is time. Let's uh, let's switch over to news and notes. So I guess I probably should start. I know I heard from a couple people uh, this last, um, you know, the last episode of uh, the Damn Recruiting Podcast. I did get it wrong with Cooper Darling. He's not out of SoCal. Uh, the big offensive guard who picked up an offer last week is out of Williamsfield High School in Gilbert, Arizona. So I wanted to set the record straight there. Um, you know, we're still working to get in contact with Cooper and hopefully have something, um, you know, in the works as far as where Oregon State sits in his recruitment here in the near future. New offers from this last week. We're going to stick with another guy named Cooper this time. It's going to be Robert Cooper. He's a strong side defensive end, rated three stars by 24-7 sports out of Bethel High School up there in Washington. Uh, the Beavs were his fifth offer. They joined um, Boise State, Hawaii, San Jose State, and Wyoming in pursuit of him. He's kind of a sleeper athlete up there um, just outside the Seattle area. I think he could really benefit from a strong summer camp schedule. Um, and I think the Beavers got in a good uh, a good spot being the first kind of Power 5 offer. Uh, we'll see where they sit with him moving forward. Um, you know, I think it's a good area for Coach uh, Leggy to be recruiting out of, and you also have uh, Coach Mahalachek up there kind of uh, in support of Coach Leggy. So you have your position, uh, potential position coach as your lead recruiter up there, and you have a, a two seasoned recruiters leading uh, Robert Cooper's uh, recruitment. So Oregon State could be in a good spot there with him. Uh, another new offer out to 2020 strong side defensive end Ender Aguilar out of Servite, California. He's a teammate of uh, top tight end target Jake Oberman, who we talked about extensively here on the po- the uh, Dam Recruiting Podcast. You know, Marcus went next level on Jake's film a few weeks ago. Probably get Ender evaluated here soon, too. Um, could possibly be a package deal there. You know, Ender and Jake are rather close. Jake, we're expecting up here on an official visit uh, next month as part of the, the Bees' next big official visit weekend. These were his 11th offer. They joined 
New Mexico, Army, Penn, Columbia, UC Davis, Colorado, Yale, Holy Cross, Utah State, Arizona State, um, and more recently, within the past, I think, 24 hours, 36 hours, Arizona and Cal jumped in there, too. Um, he's a kind of a multi-purpose athlete. He can play on either side of the ball as a tight end or a strong side defensive end, maybe even a uh, uh, outside linebacker, kind of depending upon the situation. These like him as a DN, bulk him up a little bit. I think he's right around 250 right now. Get him up to about 270 playing weight, um, you know, in a couple years, see how that goes. And he he's, could be a strong possibility in addition to the defensive side of the ball. Uh, Rodney Robinson is another new offer. He's a safety out of Cajon, California. These were his eighth offer. Uh, joined UNLV, Wazoo, Yale, Princeton, Hawaii, Howard, New Mexico, and Nevada in his recruitment. Uh, another new offer went out, I think, just after we released last week's edition of the pod. Uh, Malik Reed, he's a, a outside linebacker out of Chandler, Arizona. They have uh, some deep ties with Oregon State down there at Chandler, but it might be a little tough to overcome right now as he was a sleeper prospect probably two months ago, but his recruitment's definitely taken off, and the Beavs join a, a bevy of Pac-12 rivals in his recruitment, uh, namely UCLA, who, tends to be the, or who appears to be the trending program for his recruitment right now. Um, Colorado, Nebraska, Arizona are all uh, involved in his recruitment as well. We'll see if maybe Mason Moran and Hamaka Rashid can uh, pull some strings and get uh, more into the picture with Malik. So Coach Bray's leading his recruitment. You have one of your strongest uh, recruiters leading that as well. And he, Coach Bray is a recognizable name down there in Arizona, dating back to when he was a position coach in Arizona State. So while the door may not be completely closed there um, for Malik and o- Oregon State to kind of get in there, um, it'll be interesting to see how that plays out here in the coming weeks. Uh, a couple offers out to some future prospects as well. Maven Anderson, he's a four-star wide receiver out of Mission Viejo, uh, California, one of those powerhouse SoCal programs down there in the southern section. Um, Oregon State definitely continuing to try to build upon that pipeline down there to the program that's already shown some promise in uh, Keeley Arnold signing with the 2019 class and JoJo Forrest signing with the 2019 class and uh, offers out there for 2020 athletes, Keanu Tanavasa and Lance Canelli as well. Um, 2021, I think this is the third athlete out of Mission Viejo that these have offered now. Uh, their sixth offer, um, joining Oregon, Minnesota, Nebraska, Maryland, Wazoo, and Nevada. Uh, so Nevada is the newest offer, bringing them to seven. Really an interesting offer went out to a 2022 prospect. So kid is just finishing his freshman year. Uh, I'm going to butcher his name. Tatoria McMillan. Uh, he's unrated right now, probably because he has still three more years of high school left. But the Bees were his seventh offer. He's another athlete on a Servite. You're starting to see the Servite program kind of building back up to the powerhouse that it was towards the beginning of the decade. Uh, the Bees were his seventh offer, uh, joining Nevada, Nebraska, Utah, Cal Poly, Arizona State, uh, BYU, the Ducks, and Hawaii, bringing his total up to eight uh, offers. And those have all come in within the last two weeks. Um, so it's it's he's definitely a prospect that, you know, is, probably going to end up being a top 100, if not top 50, top 30 type prospect um, from the class of 2022. See where he's at. He's also a multi-purpose or a multi-sport athlete. Uh, I thought I saw he plays basketball during the winter, 
volleyball during the spring and then football during the summer. And he's got a lot of size. I think he checks in about 6'2", 6'3", maybe even 6'4". Um, so he'll definitely fill out as he continues to, uh, you know, grow. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So I think that that's about it for new offers there. Got the rundown. Hey, man, you really gave the rundown. Let's uh, let's switch it over then to uh, let's go next level. So next level this week, Marcus is going to be talking about Aiden Finney. Uh, he's an offensive tackle out of Chico, California. The Bees were his first offer coming in earlier this spring while he was up on an unofficial visit. He's since seen his offer list grow to five with Utah State, UNLV, Nevada, and Fresno State joining the pursuit for him. Um, I really like Finney myself. I think the Bees are in a good spot for him, and I definitely have him on my commitment watch list right now. Um, in fact, I do have a crystal ball prediction in for him. But Marcus, what did you like about his film? All right, Aiden Finney, he is standing at 6'7", and says on his huddle that he's around 265. He looked 270 to me, but um, the first thing that stood out to me was his footwork and how quick it was because when you're 6'7", and basically 270 pounds, you're not going to be able to move as quickly as, <laughs> or you shouldn't be able to move, excuse me, as quickly as he does. His feet are phenomenal, I think, especially when it comes to um, his run blocking. Having great feet and quick feet, it's going to make it a lot easier to block downfield, and you certainly see that in his film. I think that, you know, you could flip that over to college because you look at it, there's a lot of the times Oregon State and their offense, what they like to do is kind of run screens, um, whether that be for the running backs or, say, the slot and even the outside receiver at times. Um, and when that happens, the only way the play is going to work is if you can get your lineman to block downfield, right? They have to wait, but as soon as he gets to a certain point, obviously the lineman can go downfield and block. But there's plenty of times that if you really need a lineman that is has the those kind of those smooth feet and is able to block downfield that will spring either a long run or even a touchdown, whether that be from the receiver or the running back. I really like that about his game and his run blocking. The thing with his run blocking, like I said, when you're 6'7 and 265, it's going to be hard to get your pad level down. But when it comes to his run blocking, his pad level is absolutely phenomenal. I mean, the kid is physical. And there, there's a couple times that you see, I kind of like, I kind of like offensive linemen and defensive linemen who, you know, have a little nastiness to them. They kind of have that chip on their shoulder. There's plenty of times in this film where, I mean, I love his attitude when he blocks because he's going to, you know, he's going for the home run, right? He's going for, like, the the big hit, which isn't always the best thing, right? But, I mean, mm-hmm. the kid, the kid <laughs> it showed on the film. It worked. Obviously, it's a film, but it worked every single time. And just seeing the results of him going for that home run, I was like, my mm-hmm. goodness. And when I say going for the home run, I'm talking about the big block that's going to spring, you know, that huge run. But the thing also I like is that when he does that, most of the time the guys put their head down and they're running at you like a like a pissed off bull. No, he has his head up, he has his eyes up, and he knows where he's going and he knows where he's about to make his contact. That's what I really like. But um, the thing that stood out to me the most and something that I think we don't have enough of or Oregon State doesn't have enough of right now is – the running or the running backs, the the linemen who are willing to put their bodies on the line to create the lane. Because, like I said, Adam, a couple weeks ago, the play's going to break down. It'll break down, I promise you, every single time. Because there's plenty of times where I, I got the ball and I was like, oh, here we go. All right. I know a hole's going to be here. 
and you get there and you're like, mm-hmm. okay, there's no hole and you get crushed, <laughs> right? So um, I like this kid because he really creates a hole and he'll put his body, you know, in the right spot that it needs to be. And when I say that, I'm talking, you know, say there's two guys or, you know, say there's a double team, right? Or say there's two linebackers blitzing in or there's just a big pile in the middle of the line, right? And this is the kind of guy that is going to say he's a polling guy. He's going to come in and he'll put his full body right into that pile, but he's big enough that he could block off a small little crease. And I really like that because, don't get me wrong, I know 100% that that has to hurt his body almost every single time. Just because, think about it, you have guys smashing each other, coming full, you know, with a full oh, yeah. head of steam downhill. But he finds a way to kind of create that crease. And as a running back, you always know that you follow when you're following your lead blocker. You know, say he's pushing a guy to the outside, obviously you cut inside, right? You just follow. Mm-hmm. They, they say you basically follow his butt, and that's exactly what he does is when he finds that crease, he'll make that crease, and then from there he leaves that lane for the running back to run. And I really, really like that about his game. I really think if you can get more guys who are willing to put their body on the line, then, you know, you're, you're going to be pretty set. Not to mention – Think about it. The kid, when he say he gets to college, he's already 270 and 6'7. That's a great size mm-hmm. for a lineman. And if he yeah. can, and if he can keep those feet and keep that athletic ability that he has, and then say he puts on 20 pounds, the kid's gonna be phenomenal. I really like that. Coach Smith is kind of going for these more athletic guys because I think he understands it. And what we've had in the past, especially with the last coaching staff, was we got a lot of really big heavy linemen that couldn't move. So what's the point of yeah. having that? Because this is the Pac-12. This isn't the SEC, right? And Oregon, no. and Oregon well, State. Big yeah, exactly. Oregon State is going to need these quick linemen because at the end of the day, we have good enough athletes that if you get them in open field, they'll make people miss. But think how hard it is for, mm-hmm. say, a linebacker when there's a crease, the running back explodes through the crease, and then he has to try to beat, you know, not only – the running back and get to the right angle and make the tackle, but he has to beat the offensive lineman who can get downfield, block downfield, and has great you know athletic ability that can kind of just get in the way. And I think this kid is the kind of kid that is going to spring those long runs and spring those big plays. I will say his pass pro, I think, just needs a little work when it comes to having his base because he'll get his hands on you, he'll throw you down, all that, but when you get to college, you're not going to be able to do that to, you know, obviously big – defensive lineman i think his base is is good for what it for how big he is right now but i just want to see see it be a little more sturdy and it'll get there right that's just coming with experience in the game and that's why the coaches are there to coach you up on those kind of things but i mean for the most part great kid really like his game what stands out to me the most effort and great footwork the kid is athletic and with the size like that he's going to be a guy that you instantly plug in and play and that's all i got Mm -hmm. for you for the breakdown man yeah, hey, you know, I'm, I'm so glad you brought up the, the athletic side of him. He is a dual-sport athlete, and he is rather raw because he, he had primarily focused on being a basketball athlete earlier on in his uh, high school career and is still, I think he's in like his second or third year playing football at a higher level. Um, so he's still transitioning over to becoming more of a, uh, a football-first type athlete. So I think, he's, like you said, you know, you're really high on him. I'm really high on him as well. I think really sky's the limit for a kid who's six seven and moves like that already mm-hmm. um, for, for a tackle prospect. So, hey, great breakdown, though, man, as always. Hey, absolutely. So it sounds like we have 
another topic that you want to talk about. And I and I really like yeah. this topic. I think it's a really good topic to talk about because maybe not everybody looks at it a certain way or looks at it like this. So, Adam, di- let's dive into that right now. Yeah, definitely. So, like, you know, we aren't necessarily doing a damn hotline this week. I really felt it was important to be able to pick your brain on the recruiting process and how it's interpreted from a, a player's perspective mm-hmm. inside that locker room. What's it like being in there and being a host for recruits coming in or having, you know, friends from that might be younger than you coming in on recruiting visits and how is that received and how is it, how is it celebrated when somebody commits to the team? How does it feel? What is kind of the reception of when a kid who visits and then commits to another program? I just, I just am curious as to, I don't want to say the business side of things inside that locker room, but how, how is it interpreted? How, how is the, the, the process looked at from an athlete's point of view from the inside looking out? Yeah, it's, well, I'll start off with this. It's super fun having a kid on a visit, especially when you're the host, because, you know, you get, you kind of, you kind of give them the chance to check out exactly what, you know, what your school's about, what your school has to offer, you know, all the above, but excuse me um the biggest thing is for me when it when it came to a to hosting a kid was just being real with them because at the end of the day if you're if you're coming in kind of like a, a car salesman right they they're going to be able to see mm-hmm. those kind of things right so say somebody you know a kid comes in and I'm hosting him I'm like listen man you know Oregon State has we get we get the best shoes over everybody I know the ducks and you know Washington, all you know, all of our rivals, they get this stuff, but we get the absolute best ones, right? And, and that's not true. Mm-hmm. It, it's the <laughs> fact that you have to. It's just the fact you have to be real with them. It's true. Like the the more yeah. you're real with them, I think the more authentic and the better it will be. And so when it comes down to you know hosting a kid, you always want to keep it real with them because the, I had a couple times I took a, an official to Arizona State and it wasn't it wasn't real, man. Like. Basically, long story short, all I did was party for a whole weekend. For three days straight, all yeah. I did was party, right? And that was cool. Don't get me wrong, because I was like a, I was like a seventeen, eighteen year old kid. I was like, dude, this is dope. Yo, I could do this all the time. <laughs> but then, you know, after the week, you know, after like two days, and you're hungover, you're like, all right, well, I don't want to do that anymore, <laughs> right? No. You're like, you're like, I'm, I'm, I'm done drinking, man. And if this is all it is, I'm not gonna do it, right? <laughs> And so that's what exactly, and, and that's what it was. I felt at a point I was like, okay, but where does football come in? They're like, oh yeah, man, it's super cool here for football, super nice, man. But the pool parties are dope. And I'm like, yeah, I get that <laughs> for sure. I I believe it 100. percent And you know that was with the old Arizona State staff. I'm sure it's a lot different now with Herm Edwards there. But I'm just saying, just in general, just kind of having these. You know, you go to a you go to a place where there's sun. There's going to be a lot of parties, right? And so that's what they yeah. kind of try to sell you on. Say so you go to a place where they have super nice stuff. That's what they're going to try to sell you on. But it's just the fact that if you keep it more authentic and you keep it real, then that's when you'll see the that's when you'll see the commits coming, right? And the commitments mm-hmm. they happen when you keep it real. And and if you really click with a good group of guys, because you know, I won't say any places, but there's certain groups that, or certain places that I went to. I was like, I can't do it. Not because, you know, the, I thought the campus was cool. The coaches were great. But I just, you know, I just didn't really fit with the team. And a lot of the time it's it's 
being real and it's finding your fit because sometimes you just don't fit with this. You know, you just don't fit with the school as much as you want to. You really just don't. So um, that's kind of how it works. But then when, you know, you think you get a commitment from a guy, right? So when you think you have a kid that's going to commit, you kind of, right. You're kind of on edge a little bit. You're, you're like, okay, well, I hope my yeah. visit went well. Right. So, so once they leave, you're like, well, I hope that, you know, I hope that my visit or their visit went well. I hope I did this right. I hope I did that right. But then at the end of the day, when they do commit, oh, it's awesome, man. You're like, yeah, I, you like to take credit for it. You're like, yeah, I did that, right? You're like, they committed because yeah. of me, right? That, and that's that, that's a real thing, too. And um, you get super excited about it. But like I said, when, when they don't end up committing, that's when you hit the, okay, what did I do? Because then it's not like the coaches are going to be mad at you and be like, well, what the hell, man? Like, you were supposed to show them a good time. Yeah. It's not like that. Because if it just comes down to – you know, a player showing him a good time and that's what's going to make his commitment, then it probably wasn't going to work out anyway, right? But mm-hmm. if if a kid doesn't commit, at the end of the day, you know, don't get me wrong, like I said, we're going to be upset like the players who host, but we get it, right? It's just how it goes. It's, it's really, like you said, a business side of it because you have to find where the best fit is. You have to find where you're going to get most playing time, where you see yourself you know, su- succeeding not only on the field but in the classroom. There's a lot of stuff that goes into it. So when there is a commitment, you want to take 100% credit for it. <laughs> but when there's not a commitment, you want to take zero credit for that. <laughs> I mean, it, 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 it's been Somebody else messed it up. <laughs> yeah, you're like, who else messed this up? Like, you know, hey, what are you doing, man? Like, you didn't you didn't let him sleep on your couch? What'd you do? I don't know. Whatever it is, right? Whatever <laughs> Whatever the case is. It's just, I know we should have gone to Peacock. <laughs> I know. We shouldn't have went to Impulse, man. What are we doing? But yeah. just stuff like that. I mean, it's really – you You would like to think that you have a lot more kind of influence than you do. But, I, you mm-hmm. know, at, at the end of the day, I really don't think that you have that big of an influence compared to if they really feel like they're going to fit in, then they'll feel like it, right? That's why I went to Oregon State because I was like, wow, I really like this group of players. I really think I'd fit in with these guys, like a Jordan Villeman, a Victor Bolden. When I took my official with those guys, I was like, these dudes are dope. They're like, man, like we should all just go here. Like, Let's link up. Like, It'd be cool. Let's do it, right? Now, all that, and then it, it kind of just snowballs from there. But like mm-hmm. I said, there's places that, and every recruit goes through it, right? You always say, you know, thank thank you, whoever, so-and-so, for a great visit. I, I loved it. And then in the back of your mind, you're like, I am not going there. I'm not doing that, right? Yeah. It, it's it's realistic and it's true. And as unfortunate as it is for some people, you know, to hear that, and I'm sure fans and everybody else knows, but it's just the name of the game, man. And, and recruiting has gone into so many different ways now that it's almost too hard to say that, a certain area really influences it more than the other because it can go anywhere from social media to the visit, to the uniforms, to the pictures that you take there to how many times you call them to how many wins it is. There's so much. Right. And so I don't want to say, you know, if they have a bad visit, you know, it happens, but if they feel like that, they are going to feel fit in there, then it then they're going to go there. And I might sound like I'm contradicting myself saying, okay, well, they had a bad visit, but if they feel like they're going to fit in, then it happens. But, I mean, it's not true, man, because I really – I won't lie to you. I took, I think, three – I took an unofficial to Oregon State, and I took an official, something like that. Along, it was one or two or three, something like that. I can't know. I'm all old now. But um, I had mm-hmm. one visit that I was like, I, I don't know, man. Like, I didn't really like it as much as I thought I was going to. 
And I went again, and I was like, wow, okay, I like it. It's just kind of, there's a lot of things that play into it. So I don't want to say that there's one thing that's going to mean more than the other, but it just kind of depends with the player. Everybody's different. Some guys are like, I need that social media love, and if I don't get that, then I can't see myself playing here. And then other guys yeah. are like, listen, man, I'm just strictly football. You know, if the football team is good, then I'm going to go there. Other guys are like, listen, man, I just want to party. <laughs> right? Right. I love football. But at the end of the day, college parties, that's what I'm about. And it, some guys yep. are all about education. Right? It, it's just how it fits. There's a lot of things that go into it. But at the end of the day, Adam, I'm telling you, every player is different. It's almost too hard to pinpoint kind of a certain thing that, can influence them, but I would certainly say at the end of the day, you're if, if you host a kid, just keep it real with them. Just 100% keep it real with them because I know for a fact at Oregon State we've lost some kids because of the fact that the host didn't keep it real with them. And then some have, yeah. some did, and then they still didn't like it. It's just there's so much that goes into it. And so that's why I'm saying Definitely. if you – you know, if you keep it real with the kid, that that's about all you can do because at the end of the day, you keep it real, and the kid will at least appreciate you for keeping it real with them, right? And so that's why yeah. that, that has to be my take on it. I mean, it really is because if you're not authentic and guys are just going to lie to you straight to your face, then you're going to be like, I don't want to play here. And so that that's my outlook on it, man. That's how I that's how I at least break it down for you. Cool. Well, hey, you know, the Beavs are going to have a big opportunity this weekend to uh... – Post a couple official visitors, so definitely, hopefully, and you know, all, all the guys on the team who are listening to this, take your message to heart because, uh, you know, quarterback Ben Goldbrinson will be on campus and wide receiver Zariah Beeson, who you broke down last week on mm-hmm. Next Level, will be on campus for their official visit. So, uh, Beaver Nation, let's show them some love, and uh, hopefully they join the fold. Absolutely, and Adam, before we go, man, it's not looking too good for the Blazers right now. Hey, you know, as poorly as they played in game one, I really thought they kept themselves in a position to, you know, push late in that game for and feel a win. Um, for as close as it was, despite committing 18 turnovers in that game, I feel decent. I felt decently confident going into uh, last night's game. And they came out and they played really well for. You know, the first half, you knew in the third quarter that Golden State was going to come out with a uh, counterpunch, and that's exactly what happened. And you saw the Blazers continue to weather the storm going into the fourth. They built up, what, that 8-10 point lead with a couple minutes left, and things were looking good. And then Steph Curry, some questionable, some questionable decision-making. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, you know, it just – Ended up going, the ball bounced the wrong way there in the last two minutes. So. Yeah, and, you know, it, it was the third quarter. The Warriors are just a whole different. It does not matter how much of a lead you have in the first half mm-hmm. because the Warriors will erase it in a heartbeat in the third quarter. Yeah. And, I mean, it, it's tough because you have arguably the best one of the best teams we've ever seen in the NBA that the Blazers are going up against. I think they match up actually pretty decent with them without Kevin Durant. But it's the fact that you look at it, you're like, okay, even without Kevin Durant, they still won 73 games. (laughs) So, I mean, only only one man has been able to beat him. Let's be real, only one man, LeBron James, who's who's a top three player ever. He's the only one, him and the Cavs. And that Cavs team was still pretty darn good. So hopefully they can get momentum back. They just need to play better defense, I think. 
and you know it, it's hard to win in Oracle Arena, and let alone yeah. it's hard to beat the Warriors. <laughs> so let's just hope best of luck to them in these next two games, man, because we need it. We really do. And hey, I'm saying, you, and you I'm just, saying, we when it comes to Blazers now. Hey, definitely, that's all encompassing. They just they, if they defend home court, it becomes a three game series, and they kind of steal the momentum back um, heading into five, six, and seven possibly. So. I think this this game, what Saturday night, is so pivotal for the Blazers. But I mean, regardless of how it shakes out, what they've been able to accomplish this season, you know, you listen to Sprague and uh, Dirt and Sprague out there on 1080, and they're always talking about, you know, how far ahead they are than whether they really should be right now. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, I think that's uh, you know the the right type of approach to it right now. And you factor in they're playing without Nurk and. You know, it's it's really quite amazing what they've already been able to accomplish is what I'm getting at. Yeah, so, absolutely. So we'll that, see. Yeah, we'll see. Hats off to them. Regardless, like we said, does did anyone really think if we would have told you, you know, a month ago that the Blazers are going to the Western Conference Finals? I say everyone says no. <laughs> so that's solid. Yep. We could take that. But, Adam, do yep. you have anything else to add, my man? Hey, man, you know, we kind of hit on the uh, Ben Goldrinson and Zariah Beeson, the official visitors for this weekend, definitely. Uh, check out the, the Lodge and Beaver Blitz for their uh, visit previews. If you haven't already, we'll be catching up with them come Sunday uh, to recap their visits. And, hey, you know, for anything that's breaking, definitely check out Beaver Blitz. Absolutely. So, Marcus, you got anything else, bud? I don't. Thank you guys so much for listening to another episode of the Damn Recruiting Podcast with your host, Marcus Greaves and Adam Nicholson.